Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm your co-host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and today our topic is Spiritual Insights for Abundant Living. I'm so delighted to be joined today by Craig Bullock, who also goes by Isha Das, to discuss how we can live our lives from our deepest spiritual insight. Craig Bullock, or Isha Das, is an accomplished teacher, writer, lecturer, and psychotherapist. His education includes extensive study in psychology, spirituality, mysticism, world religions, and yoga. Ishidas was made a minister and official Kriya Yoga teacher by Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. Ishidas' latest book is Open Wider the Door, The Integration of Kriya Yoga and Mystical Christianity. He is the founder and spiritual director of the Assisi Institute in Rochester, New York. The book we will be drawing from today is Living Grace, a Daily Companion for Meditation and Contemplation. Welcome, Craig Bullock or Isha Das. I'm so delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Well, I'm thrilled to be talking with you and and very honored. Um, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Hmm. So before we begin our dialogue about spiritual insights for abundant living, let's begin with a moment of practicing what we are about to discuss, a moment of meditation, a yoga moment. So let's begin right where we are, wherever we are, and feel our bodies in space, whether we're walking, sitting, driving in our car. Just take a moment to feel where your body is supported. And then bring your attention to your breath, that wonderful tool we always have with us that can really help us to focus on the present moment. So just notice, as you take your next breath, just notice the inhale and the exhale. Not trying to change the natural rhythm of your breathing, just being aware, being aware of breathing. On the inhale, feeling the cool air as it enters the nostrils. 
And on the exhale, feeling the warm air as it flows out. Each inhale can help us to dive within. And with each exhale, we can relax. In this moment, as we dive within, we can open our heart to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. Right here, right now, wherever we are, it's within us, between us and all around us. And just by being present and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. As we rest there, we may notice thoughts or feelings as they arise. And we can just watch them. Watch them as they arise and watch them as they pass away, resting in the essence of our being. Resting in our essential nature, which is beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, just being. We feel the peace that emanates from this essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. And as we close this meditation, let's remember that that peace is a portable peace, as Yogananda described it. It's portable. We can take it with us today and share it with all we meet. Once again, Isha Das, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I'm again thrilled and pleased and honored to be with you. So, as I mentioned, you're the founder and spiritual director for the Assisi Institute. So, what was your vision in founding the Institute, and what kind of programs are offered there? Well, um, the vision was really kind of simple. We, we knew, my wife and I, we were really the co-founders, and A, we, we knew that there were many people here in the Rochester area who were longing to go deeper in, in, in the terms of their conscious contact with God, with the infinite, but not knowing how to stabilize that or how to develop that. So in our, our vision in the beginning was offering contemplative prayer, Kriya Yoga, meditation, and just really teaching that to people so that they could stabilize that sense of God's presence or that sense of peace so that it be, really could become the, the backdrop to their life. 
um, that was our initial vision, and it really still is. Is it is again offering programs and practices to people so that they can go deeper into their own souls, their own essence, and to really live out of out of that spark of the divine within within them. And I, I think the second piece is, you know, in upstate New York, where Rochester is, western New York, um, you know, there's a strong Christian presence, um, a strong Catholic presence, a lot of ethnicity. And we thought it was important also to help people to see that in, in the mystical traditions of, of Hinduism, Judaism, and so forth, that all of the saints and mystics are speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or really, or maybe a better way of saying it, are talking about the same experience. They may language right. it a little bit differently. So I think in a secondary sense, it was trying to build bridges, to be a place where people from different backgrounds could come together, yet we were drinking from the same well of living water. I think the world is getting very, very small and if we if we don't find a way of, of of really connecting with the underlying essence of everything, the underlying the ground of being that supports everyone and everything, if we don't find a way of connecting and recognizing that that mutuality and that shared brotherhood and sisterhood, then we're not moving in a good direction. So, in a secondary sense, again, it, it, we founded the Assisi Institute to be a place where people from different backgrounds could come together yet experience a unity and a oneness. Mm, uh, so beautiful. And I love that uh, image of, you know, drinking from the same well, which I which I totally agree. I also want to mention just briefly that Yogacharya O'Brien, who will be familiar to listeners as the, the director and host of the Yoga Hour, will be offering programs at the ACC Institute again in Rochester, New York on May 9th and 11th. Uh, so coming up, um, and you can check the website at assisi-institute.org. Again, assisi-institute.org for more information. Yeah, we're so, really looking forward to her coming. It's, she's, yeah. It's going to be a blessing for us. All right. So according to the website, the Assisi Institute fosters the integration of Eastern and Western mystical traditions, which you actually just touched on in your comments. So why do you think this integration of Eastern and Western mystical traditions is so important in today's world? Well, uh, to restate and then I'll add to it, is again, the world is shrinking, you know, with the Internet, with communication, social media. Um, we don't really live in ideological ghettos anymore. We're really rubbing shoulders with people from from different back, backgrounds, different belief systems, and so again, I just think as a, it's, I think it's part of our the evolution of the human race and human consciousness that it's so essential that we begin to recognize that we really are in this together. There really is only one tribe. You know, mm-hmm. some people may be Christian, some people may be, again, Hindu, Buddhist, but at, at, at the essential level, we're one tribe, and we really have to begin to, I think, see that, and, and not just in theory, but really begin to experience that, that kind of consciousness that, that sees, doesn't negate the diversity, but also sees the diversity within the context of a, of a common humanity and a common spirituality. I think it's, it's very crucial, um, for, again, for the evolution of the human race, for us to be able to survive with sanity, to live out of that shared consciousness. You know, there's a, a line by Jesus in the New Testament 
I think really captures this. He said, whatever you do unto the least of my brothers and sisters, you do unto me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that was just a hallmark greeting by him <laughs> so, that we would, so that we would behave better. I really think he saw, as all the mystics do, he saw and experienced the underlying unity within creation. And, and again, I think that's, that's the next leap of, of, our, of evolution for the human race, to begin to live from that consciousness. And I think at, a, at another level, why we thought it was important to, to kind of stress that unity is that there's a way that we can all learn from each other. You know, there's something that the East has to offer the West, the West has to offer the East, um, that can only makes us richer. So... I think the more that we can, we can again, touch each other, learn from each other, we only enrich our own personal lives, but also we enrich our own traditions that way. Mm, that's well, very, very, um, you know, obviously I you know, totally agree. I feel like that's one of the things that the yoga hour really tries to, you know, um, to um, help, you know, is, is – uh, seeing those connections, you know, at a mystical level, you know, between various traditions. Um, so today we're going to be drawing from your lovely book, Living Grace, a daily meditation, I'm sorry, daily companion for meditation and contemplation. So um, what was your inspiration in writing the book? I should mention a little bit about it. So it actually has, um, it has um, kind of just what it says, you know, daily um a little, a little few paragraphs of writing and an, an affirmation, um, and it's laid out by days of the year, um, you know, and, and you have like themes in it that might go on for, you know, several days in a row, you might be talking about, you know, meditation or, or prayer, those are the areas we're going to be drawing from, but lots of other topics as well. So what was your inspiration in writing the book? Well, I, I, I think, again, we all live very busy lives. Modern, modern society is very demanding on our time and our attention. And I thought just giving people little nuggets every day to reflect on and, you know, and then basing those nuggets of, of thought or reflection in, in some great spiritual tradition, you know, sometimes it may be from the Gospels, other times it's from the Bhagavad Gita, but just giving a piece of wisdom that people can take into their daily lives, a positive thought, uh, you know, maybe a ray of light to help to illumine their minds and to open their hearts that they can bring into their daily activity, something very simple but yet inspirational and concrete. Mm -hmm. So in the introduction to your book, you write, when done consistently, a meditation practice is a powerful tool for our spiritual evolution. We should always remember that what ultimately makes meditation effective is the devotion, sincerity, and love that we bring to it. So in in what ways do you think meditation helps us in our spiritual evolution? Well, I think without a, a consistent meditation practice, what happens is whatever our sort of karmic orientation is, whatever... However, our minds and our spirits are, are, are sort of directed. They just take over and live us. Meditation, because we don't have to meditate to live. So first of all, just the choice to meditate, the choice to sit, it interrupts that automatic sort of karmic um, programming. It, it, it's, it's an interruption in that process. And then 
to to sit in the stillness and, and to nurture stillness and interior silence, it brings us to a point of, I think it's very helpful on, on many levels, but two specifically, it brings us into conscious contact with the divine, just that that simple stillness, that, that simple beingness, it opens us up to that. Mm-hmm. It opens us up to that mystery we call God. Mm-hmm. And then from that stillness and, and from that silence, we can begin to choose a wise and loving path for our life. Again, mm-hmm. it's like we, we step out of that, that mechanical, automatic, reactive way of living we touch the divine, we touch that stillness, and then from that stillness, we can begin to make decisions that are really inspired by wisdom and love. We can truly begin to, with God's help, to create a different, a more evolved path for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. In In my own meditation practice, what I find is that um, when I have a regular meditation practice, it, it's almost like it opens a space, you know, between something that might happen to me and an automatic reaction, just what you were talking about, yeah. um, you know, where we're just reacting to whatever happens to us, all the many, many things uh, in a given day that may not go exactly the way we want them to go. But it opens up a space and um, and does, for me, just what you said, which is um, allows me to choose, you know, allows yeah. me to decide how I want to react to it rather than just kind of automatically be thrown into, you yeah. know, thrown into a reaction. And that space then is is something eventually that we can just like you were describing we can take into our daily lives and our activities. It, again, it becomes the sort of backdrop or it becomes the baseline that we can tap into um, as things come to us in our day to day living, and it allows us to respond rather than to react. And there's another piece with the silence too. I just want to go a little deeper with that. That. What what I like to say to people is that that deep level of stillness. It's not just it's not just quiet. It's not just the absence of noise. That deep level of silence and stillness. It is really it is God at rest. It is the divine at rest. It is the universe at rest. It's 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 this sea of infinite stillness and consciousness. But this is what's I, I think an, another important element. All the good stuff of creation, life, and, and the intelligence and the wisdom that runs life, it all bubbles up from that silence and that stillness. So that when we tap into that stillness, it's like inspiration, wisdom, truth, beauty, and goodness just bubbles up into our consciousness. And then we become a conduit for uh, for creativity, for, for creation to continue to unfold in us and through us so it's mm-hmm. it's always more than just being quiet it's tapping into uh, the potential for everything that is good mm, that's just really beautiful um i um actually had had uh, a quote from you about that from the book um you write meditation leads to silence and silence helps us to be receptive to spiritual inspiration which is what you just said in other words but yeah. you also write uh yogananda and the christian mystics all say the same thing silence is the most important piece of meditation 
So you've already talked about, um, you know, just a couple of benefits of silence. We've already talked about how even just in our busy lives, having that little island of, of silence and stillness is, is such a welcome kind of a respite for our souls. And then touching it um, really allows us to access that, that um, uh, inspiration and kind of intuition about right action that you were just discussing. Yes, yes. And, and what I tell people is when you have that, I'm talking about inactivity, you know, when you're done meditating and, and living our lives in, in our everyday circumstances, when you have that, that backdrop of peace or stillness, then when difficult situations come or puzzling situations, you, you, you're free to sort of stop to breathe, to pause. And I always say, what I practice a lot is when I'm in a situation where I'm not quite sure what I need to do or what the right thing is to do, I will stop, I will pause, I will breathe. And then I will ask just one simple question. What is the wisest and most loving course of action? Mm. And, And there's always some kind of intuition that bubbles up and and then you, you you know what you need to say or do. It just sort of flows through you. But again, having that backdrop of silence and stillness that is born in the meditation, taking it with you, and then being able to just witness and watch and breathe and then just ask the right questions. Um, I think the universe loves to answer that question when we just say, what is the wisest and most loving thing I can do in this situation? I, again, I think the universe loves to answer that question. For us. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we've talked about um, the benefits of meditation, including this kind of access to silence. And I, you know, most meditation teachers that I read about will really advocate the steady, you know, practice of meditation, have a daily practice of meditation. However, most people, including myself, sometimes struggle, you know, with that of, you know, having that daily practice. So what advice do you give your students about developing that steady meditation practice? Well, the first thing is just recognizing that um, it's a powerful tool for transformation, that to the degree that we can live our lives from a meditative place, really developing a practice, more energy, more wisdom, more grace, more shakti flows through us, which helps us to achieve our goals. So just underlying, underlining the importance of it and how empowering it is is helpful. But on a practical level, what I tell people is, if possible, I mean, any time you meditate during the day is a good time, but if you can develop a ritual um, uh, around it so that you tend to meditate at this time. For me, early in the morning is always the best time. It's not always the best time for other people, but, you know, that's just become such a part of my life that I, unless something is, you know, very essential is pulling on me, that time is always there for meditation. So developing a ritual of time, that this is when you're going to meditate, allows you to prioritize it. And over a period of time, it just becomes an habitual part of your life in the best sense of a, of a, of a habit. Mm-hmm. And I think, secondly, designating some space um, uh, in your house, even if it's a corner of a room where you're, where you're going to sit to meditate, that space holds the energy 
actually over a period of time so that when you just sit to meditate in that space it's easier to go into a meditation it's easier to go into a silence into the silence and i think the other piece i always encourage people is to have some kind of meditational altar with you know photos images of your favorite saints or gurus or sayings just to create that sacred space and and then it's just it's just easier to fall into it those kinds of rituals really begin to order and shape our lives in a positive way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yes, all you know, great suggestions about you know having a dedicated space, having to get dedicated time, and uh, I think lots of people who um, who do have you know a meditation practice will recognize what you said, which is that it it does have a um, it kind of gets magnetized, you know that space. Yeah. Um, the more time you spend there, then it draws you. You know, it draws you there uh, to try and, uh, you know, like it it can develop in a positive fashion the same way we can develop negative habits. We can develop positive habits um, as well. Um, So you had mentioned, uh, excuse me, in the quote I I said earlier um, about, um, uh, you know, devotion. Uh, And Yogananda, you know, said, let your devotion to God be like a wood fire that burns steadily for a long time, not like a straw fire that produces a bright flame and then quickly goes out. It's kind of what we were talking about before, but, you know, in, a, in addition, it, it's, that, it's that quality of devotion, uh, sincerity, and love that you were mentioning, um, bringing that consistently to our meditation practice. So what advice do you give students about how to do that? Well, two, two things. One is um, I always stress that that most, you know, what we teach at the Assisi Institute is Kriya Yoga, and there's techniques associated with Kriya Yoga. But I always say that the technique is not the end game. The technique really prepares our nervous system, our mind, body, and spirit to to have that encounter with the divine. But what really drives the meditation at the deepest level is is love, is sincerity, is devotion. I'm not talking about emotion per se, but just that love for truth, duty, and goodness, that love for the divine, or even the love for the guru, if, if, if that fire of love is kindled, then it's much easier to go, to go, more deep, to go deeper into the meditation. Uh, I'd like, love to share this quote, Teresa Vavala. Okay, hang on for that quote for just one sec, because we've come to the end of the first segment. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Isha Das, founder and spiritual director of the Assisi Institute in Rochester, New York, and author of the book we're talking about today, Living Grace, a Daily Companion for Meditation and Contemplation. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour, and when we come back from the break, we'll hear more about prayer and forgiveness for abundant living. We'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, Please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org 
and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Reverend Ogan Holder, speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts, on living an abundant life. Examine your life, whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had. Realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you've brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we gotta get in through our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. For over 23 years, Liz Dawn and her team at Celebrate Your Life have been presenting transformative events with some of the world's leading spiritual teachers. Experience a Celebrate Your Life event for yourself, October 31st to November 4th in beautiful Sedona, Arizona. Explore your spirituality and open your mind to some new ideas. These events are awesome soul fests that heal and transform. Log on to CelebrateYourLife.com to find out more. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times. And the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Liz Dawn, CEO of Celebrate Your Life, has been presenting live events with some of the world's leading spiritual teachers for over 23 years. Liz is sharing some of these classic lectures every Monday at 10 a.m. Central on the Celebrate Your Life Hour. Join Liz as she shares memories of working with people like Dr. Wayne Dyer, Caroline Mace, Denise Lynn, and many others. These talks have never been heard on the air before. Listen exclusively on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo. And my guest today is Craig Bullock, or Isha Das, as he's also known, author of the book we're discussing today, Living Grace, a Daily Companion for Meditation and Contemplation. His website is assisi-institute.org. Again, assisi-institute.org. So right before the break, Isha Das, we were about to hear from, I believe, Teresa of Avila. Would you, would you read that for us, please? Yeah, and, and again, the context is, is um, love and the, the place of devotion and meditation. And to make a long story short, she was going through a, a long period of dryness in her meditation, and nothing was happening. 
and she got frustrated and just kind of said this prayer like you know what's happening why aren't you with me and then she said she heard this voice intuitively answer her and the voice said Teresa do you meditate to have good experiences or do you meditate because you love me mm-hmm. and she said that that just flipped the switch for her mm-hmm. um, so that you know just think about life in general when we bring our heart into it when we bring our humanity into it we bring our love into it it makes every part of life richer whether we're talking about you know family life work whenever we can bring our again our heart into it 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 just adds a a wonderful flavor and warmth that that makes everything better and it's the same thing with meditation it's not just about the technique it's about bringing Again, our hearts into it, bringing our warmth into it, um, bringing the fullness of our humanity into it, that then makes it more alive. It, it, it makes it more uh, more real. It brings a, a life to the meditation. So it's it, by devotion. Again, we're not talking about something you know sentimental and, and syrupy. We're, we're talking about bringing you know the fire of our hearts into it. There's a wonderful line from Sri Yukteswar, you know, Yogananda's guru, where he says that love is God. So that if we approach meditation with our hearts open and that sense of love, uh, it just takes the meditation to a much deeper level. Yes, and it's it's great that you were just mentioning that. I was actually just going to ask you about... Abundant Living, because we titled this program Spiritual Insights for Abundant Living. And I just think you gave a great, <laughs> great definition of it right there. You know, I mean, bringing our hearts more fully yes. into our into our lives um, through these practices, you know. So in the first segment of the show, we talked about meditation. Let's let's turn our attention to prayer. You write, Though Yogananda taught about the centrality of meditation in the spiritual life, he also stressed the importance of prayer. His teaching on prayer helped me to deepen my prayer life in ways I could not have imagined. Often we pray to God or at God, pleading for fulfillment of our desires. Yogananda teaches us to pray in God and with God. This means praying not from our surface personalities, but from our deepest, purest depths with absolute earnestness and sincerity. So I wanted to ask you about that. So sometimes in praying, we do pray for a certain outcome and then are disappointed when that is not what happens. So what's your advice to your students about this? Well, um, there's a, if I could just share a wonderful, it's a true story. There was a little girl. She was about 10 years old. Her family lived in, uh, lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Her birthday was in the middle of June. And about a month before her birthday, her mother asked her what she wanted for her birthday, and she said she was praying for snow. Now, this mm-hmm. is Arizona in the middle of June. <laughs> and um, the mother said, well, you keep on praying sincerely. Maybe God will give you snow. Well, her birthday came and went, and there was no snow. And her mother said, you must be very disappointed that um, God didn't answer your prayer. And the little girl said, no, no, God answered my prayer. God just said no. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's good. I mean, I encourage people to pray for your legitimate needs. 
and to you know to seek direction and guidance for those legitimate needs but in the final analysis it's trusting that the, the universe knows best mm. that um you know that the ultimate prayer is sort of what Jesus did in the garden of gethsemane you know thy will be done as you wish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and, the one that always comes true, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. So you know, it's, it's having faith that that we are part and parcel of something very good. We are a part and parcel of a reality that is conscious of us, that is loving, that is wants our highest evolutionary good. And so, what I say to people in that context, nothing happens to us; it all happens for us. Mm. So to trust the process of life. And, and evolution and the divine will as it's unfolding in our life is how I like to answer that for myself. Mm-hmm. So here's, a, here's another quote from the book. You write, Growing up Catholic, I was constantly encouraged to pray about anything and everything. As I began to meditate, however, my prayer life virtually ceased because I honestly thought that meditation was enough. Now I see meditation as the left lung of the spiritual life and prayer as the right lung. Both are essential practices for our spiritual lives. So what is prayer? Simply put, prayer is lifting our hearts, minds, and spirits towards God. Sincere prayer creates intimacy between God and ourselves, which I think is really beautiful. Beautiful. So um, would you share more with us about your prayer practice and in particular? So what do you think are the best times, you know, to pray? Well, something that Yogananda says, and actually Roy Eugene Davis says too, is that uh, a good time to pray is after meditation because, again, you've come out of that silence. There's hopefully been a sense of peace and presence. Our hearts are opened. And I think it's that's when it's we are maybe the most transparent. That's when we are the most vulnerable. That's when we are the most open, maybe the most in touch with our own hearts and souls. And at those moments, then we're really just lifting our vulnerabilities and lifting our hearts and our minds to God. It's just easier to make that conscious contact, I think, after we've meditated. But as I said about meditation, really the best time to pray is, is any time, mm. so long as it's done with sincerity. And again, the way I like to look at prayer is it's not primarily asking for things, although, again, that has its place. It's really asking for the experience of God. It's, it's asking mm. for the experience of intimate, uh, of asking for the experience of the, of the infinite, for the divine. It is really towards communion. And, you know, sometimes my best prayers happen spontaneously, and what do I mean by that? Sometimes maybe I'm in a difficult situation or something is pressing upon me and I I can't make this happen, but there are these moments where it just feels like my heart and my soul just cracks open. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's not my mind praying anymore. It's almost like my spirit praying to God, or maybe another way of saying it, the Spirit of God in me, praying through me to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I can't make those moments happen those, yeah. at that deep and profound level. They, they happen when they're meant to happen. But, but really, just at any time, just lifting my heart and my mind up to God, as I think I said in, in the first um, half hour of our conversation, that sometimes it's just a simple asking the question, 
what is the most loving and wise thing I can do in this moment? Mm-hmm. That's a prayer, and I think, again, the divine loves to answer that prayer. So prayer is a way of just nurturing for me that, that conscious contact with God as I go through the day. And sometimes it's just saying thank you, you know, thank you for this, thank you. even thank you for the challenges. Um, there was a mystic from the 12th century, Meister Eckhart, who said, if, if the prayer of gratitude was the only prayer we ever offered, that would be enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always teach people when I teach them to meditate is begin their meditation thanking the divine for four or five things in your life. And mm-hmm. even if it's sort of mechanical at first, after a while your heart opens um, and it really does become a prayer of gratitude. Mm-hmm. So, so far we've uh, discussed meditation and prayer as two practices that can help us live an abundant life. And I think we've really illustrated that um let's turn to the third one that we listed in our in our description which is forgiveness so what do you see as the role of forgiveness in our spiritual development well i i think forgiveness without forgiveness um i don't think we can evolve spiritually or we seriously impede our evolution if I am holding on to a deep resentment in my mind and heart, even unconsciously, if I'm holding on to a, a deep resentment, then I'm really impeding uh, the energy of God, the grace of God from really working in my life. Uh, another way of saying it is, you know, what do light and darkness have in common? Nothing. So, uh, again, if I'm holding on to a resentment, um, I'm holding on to to negative energy, which will block the divine energy from flowing through me. So, first of all, it it frees us. It opens us up to God's grace. You know, I like to tell people, you know, don't eat junk food and don't hang on to junk thoughts. Mm. (laughs) Just as junk food will pollute the body, you know, angry, resentful um, thoughts and feelings will pollute the mind and the spirit. And I tell people that forgiveness doesn't, you know, erase what happened. It doesn't make wrong right. Um, it's it's not about not holding the person accountable. But maybe this is the best metaphor I can use. I, you know, I grew up in a in a kind of tough neighborhood, and sometimes we got into fights. And this, for me, this is a good metaphor for forgiveness. One person would be on top, and the other person would be on the bottom. And and the person on the bottom would say, I give, and then the person on top would let you up. That's what forgiveness <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's really what forgiveness is. It's letting somebody off the hook. It's, mm-hmm. it's letting them up. And, and again, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to befriend them. It doesn't mean, you know, some people are, self, are, are destructive and you don't want them in your life. But it's in your spirit. It's, it's letting them up. It's letting them off the hook. Because when we do that, then I, I think a grace flows from us to them, but it, that grace also opens us up. If I'm hanging on to resentment and anger towards another person, then I'm not open to God's mercy towards me. You know, Jesus has a powerful line. He said, show mercy and mercy will be shown to you. It's not like God's up in heaven keeping score, but if I can't allow God's mercy to flow through me for another person, then I'm not allowing God's mercy to flow through me 
for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's ultimately about just letting somebody up, letting them off the hook. And then mm-hmm. again, that frees our spirit. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, you know, it doesn't mean that um, it doesn't mean that you've forgotten necessarily i actually think that the whole quote forgive and forget thing you know is you know you don't have to forget no but you can you can uh relinquish the 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 negative uh part it's clear that 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 anger and resentment you know really are not great states of mind for our health you know as a physician i can say that i mean there's actually very good evidence for that now you know so even for ourselves to forgive um is uh, it's going to be, you know, much better you know, for us, for our health, yeah. certainly our physical health, our, our spiritual health. I agree with yeah. you. The, and the other thing that helps me is to remember all the people who have forgiven me. Yeah. You know, I have had to ask for forgiveness many, many times in my life, and I've had wonderful people who have forgiven me and just how that feels. And so that, you know, we, we all... Are, we all do things that we regret, and so um, forgiveness sort of equals the playing field. I, I can't hold something over somebody. I, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm a human being too, and I've experienced forgiveness. It's only right that I give that forgiveness away to others. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you've you know mentioned um, uh, some suggestions that you have for people. Um, about a practice or set of practices that you recommend, you know, to students about forgiveness. So, you know, part of it is what you just said of, you know, having an image for it of letting them up like you're, you know, like you were when you were fighting (laughs) when when you were kids. Um, And then I think a really important one is to recognize all the times that you've been forgiven. And I think that's super helpful. Um, Is there anything else? Yeah, the other thing that I do find very helpful um, I have a practice um, that most days I, I pray for a list of people in my life, mm-hmm. um, you know, friends and family and so forth. And one of the things I do, again, taking my cues from the New Testament where Jesus says to, you know, to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you, if there's somebody who has hurt me in the past or the present, one of my practices is that I pray for them. And, you know, I, I don't pray that, you know, God smites them. I pray. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> yes, I pray for their highest good. I pray for God to bless them with, with, with wisdom and with love mm-hmm. and all things that are good. To literally pray for the people that I, who have hurt me is another way of practicing forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that can be, a, you know, that can be a gradual you know, thing. I mean, you may yeah. not be ready to, you know, pray for someone immediately, but maybe you yeah, are. It, it but that's something that and, you can you can expand it. You know, as things look yeah. different. That's all I'm trying to say is, after a period of time, um, you know, even things that are really really difficult can look different um, yes. with the passage of time. So, and that's not to say that there isn't a period of time when somebody has hurt us that we don't need to process it with a therapist, with a spiritual mentor, or with a spiritual friend to talk about the hurt. Um, but to eventually move towards forgiveness, and and it's like I said, eventually move towards, you know, praying for the people that have hurt us. I, I think it frees them, but it also frees us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, 
let's spend a, a couple of moments more. Um, you had broached this topic already, uh, the gratitude, you know, topic. Um, but I, th- I thought it would be a great, you know, way to um, bring this discussion about um, spiritual practices for abundant living to a close. So to me, gratitude is one way that I feel the abundance in my life. And what's interesting to me about the practice of gratitude of feeling grateful for things is it it's a it's got a positive feedback loop it only makes you want to to be more grateful right it only makes you more aware of you know the many many blessings that you have so you write gratitude is not an emotion it is a virtue gratitude is the recognition of a loving breathtaking truth everything we have has been given to us by god our very existence is a gift We did not choose to exist. Our existence was lovingly willed by God, and our ongoing existence is lovingly, purposefully willed by God. We are perpetually held in existence by God's will and God's love. Our lives are a participation in the one stream of God's life. Creation is one gigantic, ongoing manifestation of pure, divine generosity. I love that line. I'm going to read it again. Creation is one gigantic ongoing manifestation of pure divine generosity. When we open our heart, our eyes and hearts to God's unmerited bounty, we are effortlessly plunged into mystery, gratitude, and love. So, um, We've, the focus of today has been talking about abundance. And so how, um, how do you, uh, the title was um, Spiritual Practices for an Abundant Life. So what do you see as the role of gratitude in living an abundant life? Well, again, gratitude recognizes that our very existence is a gift. It's sort of on loan from God. Um, I, I like to say to people, every morning that you wake up, thank God for one more day because there have been millions of people who did not wake up today. And so just the mere fact that you're waking up, God has, it is God that has you know, brought you into existence and wakes you up every day and has given you another opportunity to bring truth, beauty, and goodness into your life and into the world. And so we, once we recognize that our lives are just an extension of the divine life, that God is this font of generativity, and the more we recognize that, then the more open we are to that generativity. There's a wonderful line from Babaji in Yogananda's autobiography of a yogi. He says, few people realize that the kingdom of God extends into material creation, so that that gratitude Again, it, it, it acknowledges that God has given what God has given us. It acknowledges that God is breathing life into us at every moment. It opens our heart, and in that opening of the heart, we're more open to more of God's generosity. You just see how that works? It's, it's that gratitude really makes us a greater conduit um, for all that God really wants to give us on every level, spiritual and material. Mm-hmm. that's beautiful yeah the uh, um, one of the uh, images that I enjoyed from um, a woman an author named Lynn Twist and I'm forgetting the name of her book now but um, it's something about um, about giving actually um, but she talks about um, it's as though there's a cup and 
we continue to fill that cup with gratitude and it results in a great fullness, right? Gratefulness, right? But a great fullness of this cup and feeling that, you know, gratitude just continually building uh, until the top of the cup runs over. And then that is um, literally thanksgiving, giving thanks, you know, and uh, it, I don't know, I just uh, love the image that that uh, that that, you know, created for me of, of the cup, you know, literally running over. Yes. And then it runs over, not just for us, but then we become a conduit of, of blessings for other people. Uh, again, there's a line by Jesus in the New Testament. He said, the measure you give is the measure that you will receive, shaken together, pressed down, and overflowing. And I think that that flow begins with gratitude, acknowledging all the many gifts that God has given us, that creation has given us, and then it fills that cup, and that cup overflows, and then we become a blessing for others. And I, I think that's how it works. You know, there are physical laws that guide the physical universe, and there are spiritual laws that guide the spiritual universe. And I think gratitude is part of that. It, 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 allow, it opens us up to, to more of God's fullness, and then we give that away, and more comes to us and through us. And I think that mm-hmm. that's the process. Mm-hmm. So um, we've got a couple of minutes left, um, just about two and a half minutes, and I thought, uh, well, we've had a, a very wide-ranging, you know, discussion talking about uh, spiritual practices for um, abundant living, we talked about meditation and silence, talked about prayer and forgiveness and then gratitude. So what, what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, that that again, whatever whatever you know, God is a word that we put on a mystery that is it's it's endlessly knowable, but it's always a mystery, and that every little attempt that we make at prayer or meditation or living a noble and generous life, every little attempt we make in that direction, it comes back to us, you know, a hundredfold that that the universe and creation is really supporting every positive step we make we are part and parcel of the divine life we are part and parcel of the reality that we call god and so you know the 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 wind is at our back and the wind is a metaphor for the breath of god the spirit of god the wind is at our back and again every positive step every prayer every meditation just allows the divine to to bless us more richly to to infuse us with energy and grace and wisdom and love we never walk alone we walk with the divine we walk with saints and sages from the unseen and we are supported in every step of our journey Mm, really really lovely And with that, we've come to the end of the program. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show. We have been discussing spiritual insights for abundant living with Craig Bullock, or as he's also known, Isha Das. He's an accomplished um, teacher, writer, lecturer, and psychotherapist 
His latest book is Open Wider the Door, the Integration of Kriya Yoga and Mystical Christianity. His book that we've been talking about today is Living Grace, a Daily Companion for Meditation and Contemplation. You can find out more about him and the Assisi Institute at assisi-institute.org. Again, assisi-institute.org. And remember, Yogacharya will also be coming there to Rochester, um, May 9th and 11th. Um, So check it out if you're in that area. Thank you so much, Isha Das, for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Join us next week for Live the Life You Really Want, Awake, Aware, and with Intention. Yogacharya O'Brien will be back with me to discuss how we can create an atmosphere within and around us that encourages us to be awake, aware, and to prosper. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour at iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.